Today, another uh, another version of the Peach and Black podcast coming to you live about uh, an interesting period in Prince's career. So, we're not doing an album review today. Um, it's going to be more so a collection of bits and pieces, different album releases, um, concert releases, uh, and even getting into a little bit of discussion about uh, a specific Prince tour. And uh, for anyone who's still guessing... That's right, we're talking about 2002 and 2003 um, in the world of Prince. So, um, firstly, let me just say hi to everyone. Toe Jam, player, captain, how are you going? Good day. Nice. Hello. All right, everyone's in, captain, as always. Um, okay, so, yeah, 2002-2003. Uh, I guess we've chosen this, um, trying to come up with something different, and um, it, it sort of... You know, after reviewing musicology, it was the next, um, the, the logical time time capsule time period. Uh, but there was just so much material, wealth of material, and a wealth of activity uh, in the Prince world and the Prince camp that we just couldn't stick to one thing. So you know, there's one night alone piano. There's the expectation C note albums. There's the live O N A album. You know, including the after show, never before released uh, after show disc. There's a DVD. There's an instrumental album, a four-piece suite called News. Um, there's the actual tour itself. There's a lot to go through. Um, and this could end up being a mammoth show, so <laughs> we'll try and keep it um, as short and sweet as we can. And we intend to do track by track, so keep going. <laughs> it's going to be an eight-hour podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've got your purple juice ready. Um, I'll just say, just in case people don't manage to get to the end of this, because it, it's going to be pretty long. Yeah. Um. I hear there's a Peach and Black podcast forum, something like that. No, surely not. Oh, oh I've heard. You're kidding. Ru- I've heard rumours. You get a, who's your source? <laughs> oh, Doctor Funkenberry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he's talking about for the last month. When is it going to open with the Peach and Black podcast? <laughs> oh, it's coming soon. God, you're getting me excited now. What's going on? What is it? <laughs> I better get Do tell. Do tell. What's what, what's this forum about? I think it's Peach and Black. Uh, let me just check. <laughs> we'll post the link. It's Peach and Black. Uh, we'll put it on the link. On the, it's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. Join those things. We're everywhere. We're going global. <laughs> Peach and Black dot. Is it ProBoards? ProBoards dot com. Dot com. So where 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 or H double T P etc etc. Peach and Black dot ProBoards dot com. That's P R O B O A R D S. For people who don't know pro dot, dot com <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah sign up register um, this is I mean basically um, uh, we and I say we but, but captain specifically put a put a bit of work into into setting this up and it's it's really a forum 
for um, for for us, but more so for uh, you know all the listeners, all the fans of the show, and and people who want to share their opinion. Um, all you to, morning to just... after lovers can come and join the club. <laughs> you should you should make a special section the morning after forum <laughs> sub sub forum. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that, that'll be good. We'll, we can get some, um, you know, some some internal dialogue happening uh, in between podcast shows and all, all that kind of stuff. I guess one other thing, aside from the forum, that I just wanted to say was, um, you know, sometimes um, we we don't we obviously don't have a specific day of the week or month or etc. time of the year that we that we um, upload these episodes, but we'll try and be a little bit more regular for for all the listeners uh, to get into a more of a routine. So. Because uh, that's that's yeah, we get all those messages. When's the next? One? When's the next one? <laughs> now yeah. you can just go to the forum and just talk anyway. That's it. In Plenty of good ideas. Uh, we might have a. Yeah, I think we, there there already is a se- section called. Um, no, there isn't, but there should be <laughs> a section about um, you know ideas for, for future shows. I think there is. Oh, there is. Yes. Yeah, from memory. So all sorts of all sorts of good things. It'll be a good a good chance for everyone to get together and you know share and discuss, etc., etc., like any other forum. And in case you missed it, we are on Twitter now. Yes, that's right. We are on Twitter, so we're posting updates on there. Oh man, going global, Peach and Black podcast fan base steadily increasing from all parts of the world. I just thought I'd put that out there. We got listeners from. All parts of Europe, uh, we've got a few from Asia, um, a fair amount from the US, and, and a few from Australia, New Zealand, etc. So, um, yeah, a lot of listeners all uh, from all over the globe, yeah. America is listening. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, okay, so getting back to the show, 2002-2003 era in the Prince world, a very exciting, um, one of my personal favorite eras, especially 2003 for... Um, for obvious reasons, that it might even be a chance for us to get into um, a little bit of discussion, maybe, or maybe not, about um, Prince's short stop visiting uh, our Aussie shores, but we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go for time. Um, I guess before we get into everything, I'll just um, I'll shoot from the hip and I'll catch everyone off guard and just kind of get a get a quick impression of of two thousand, you know, of this era. Uh, of those two years uh, overlapping from everyone uh, we'll start it up with, with player and just get your thoughts on you know post Rainbow Children um, a tour hadn't been announced yet um, even though we did tour in 2002 what, what, what were you were you feeling anything were you hoping for anything how, what, how did player feel like in, in early 2002 um, well the 2002-2003 era um, for me was a bit mixed it was good because he was doing um, not so much the commercial stuff it was more generated for the fans it was more a little bit more underground and it's even more so when you look at sort of the releases either side of that like Maeve and the unreleased play album and then on the other side you had Musicology and all that this sort of period was a bit more darker and more sort of generated to the fans but at the same time during that era when especially when Expectation came out and then news came out after that and they were just instrumental albums I'm thinking you know, where is he going? Is he, is this a, f- a sign of the future of what's to come? So, I was this a little is bit the end. <laughs> because, you know, there was even, um, I think when news came out, he did a concert in LA. Or it was when, um, I think when the Aladdin DVD came out, he came out and he right. just did songs from news. And oh, people man. were screaming out, sing. 
the people in the crowd were just going, can you sing or sing or something like that? And he just blasted back with his guitar like, this is what's going to be doing the singing tonight sort of thing. <laughs> and no one knew why he wasn't singing and there was all sorts of rumours going around, health rumours and all this sort of stuff. So it was a bit like, well, got to get another hit. <laughs> oh, that would have been an amazing show to be at, I would have imagined, just for the rarity. That was yeah. at El Rey Theatre, oh, okay. if I remember God. correctly. It's like uh, akin <laughs> to <laughs> explosions and whatnot going on in the background there. Uh, I was just going to say, that's that's sort of like, um, I mean, a completely... Uh, distant comparison but uh, if anyone's familiar with John Coltrane's um, A Love Supreme uh, album I think he he only performed the album uh, the Love Supreme album in its entirety one time um, only ever played it once live with his band and then never played it again obviously very different pieces of work but yeah that's kind of interesting because I don't think he's played that since any news music no, not that I know of no I don't, he certainly hasn't done an instrumental show like that, has he? Not that I remember. Since. Never. No. You hear snippets of bits of news just here and there, though. Just in totally random places. I'll just hear something and go, oh, that's that bit from one of them tracks. Yeah. On news. <laughs> one, of, one of them. I don't know which one. <laughs> yeah. Little, little musical bits and pieces but yeah it's in his yeah. brain it's going to come through his guitar sometime mm. alright um, well since uh, players warm, uh, player uh, captains warmed up uh, what were your thoughts on this whole period uh, 2002 I was in Korea and so I didn't even, you know, I had internet, but I wasn't really following what he was doing that much until I found out he was coming to Japan. You would have in, freaked in, out. Um, November, and I'm like, that's only a $200 flight away. I think <laughs> I'll go there. <laughs> and I did, and it was good. And there was sound checks, and it was long, and it was good. <laughs> How many shows did you catch while we are at it? I only, I only saw the one. Oh, okay. Which was in Fukuoka. Yeah. 26th of November, 2002. Sound check. Three and a half hours. No way. Started at, I think... You're kidding. That's not... Start, that's started, not started, that started can't about, be... Started about three o'clock. That can't be right. And it finished at 6.30. And he, he, he went off, and like 20 minutes later, the show started. And he played wow. for another like two and a half hours. So it was, it was value for money. Unbelievable. The ticket was, I think, 95 bucks US. Belly wow. for money, not bad. Yeah, I was about to say that. Wow. And then, then you got the 2003. It was a bit of a hit and miss year, I suppose. Not but weird things happened. And because uh, I wasn't in Australia when he came here, so I didn't see those shows, which most of you probably did. Mm. Yep. So you can talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, right. I have no idea of the content or anything that happened at those shows since I wasn't there. That's all right. We'll fill you in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better let me know what happened. I oh, heard he played at the basement. I'll let you know. <laughs> I was there. I can tell you all about it. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Tojam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a really fascinating era. Uh, personally, uh, I probably became a what you consider a hardcore fan probably late 90s so this was one of the first sort of major tours that I really sort of followed 
like on the internet, uh, you know, checking set lists and this kind of thing. So for me, it was a really uh, awakening to Prince fandom in some ways. So I really have fond memories of this era. Um, Likewise. Looking back on it, you know, I think Prince really got his act together musically in this era. He got the new band, he got the new look, but, you know, cut his hair, he had the suits back. There seemed to be, like, a new vibe, and it was very underground. It was it was kind of, for the people who knew, it was really cool to be a Prince fan, because suddenly it was it was no longer about the hits. It was about respecting the musicianship and this kind of thing. And that really clicked me. Um, but it's interesting, because at the, at the same time, it's maybe his most open and relaxed... You know, he came across as very open and relaxed in terms of he's doing these massive sound checks and, you know, he's talking to fans and all this. But at the same time, typical Prince contradiction, he's probably his most closed off in terms of his religion and, um, you know, really cranking down on websites and all this kind of thing. So it's it's very fascinating in that respect. Um, so highly, high, highly religious but highly funky at the same time. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of um, side with some of those emotions and thoughts. I guess I became um, I became a, a pretty hardcore Prince fan in well, yeah, late nineties, two thousand. Like I, I had listened to him before, but that's when I really began. And, and two thousand and two thousand and one, specifically, right after Rainbow Children was released, I really got into it. Um, the only thing is, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't personally following the tour and all that kind of stuff. Um, I signed up to the MPG Music Club in late '03, um, so I wasn't really on 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 board, but. Um, now looking back on it, I, I think it, it was one of the one of the most interesting um, eras by far in his career. Probably for me, I'd say the the eighty three, eighty four period, the eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, uh, and then the the kind of ninety four, ninety five era, and 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 then it would be the the o two and o three. Those are the, the four really um, seminal moments in the guy's career. And, um, Without dragging on too long, I think that the the main reason for that was the well, th- th- there would have been a few. Um, just to touch on the fact that he obviously went through a few personal issues um, with regards to his family um, and and uh, I guess uh, events that kind of shape um, anyone's mind frame. Some some tragedies, um, some changes, some reli- you know the religious convergence, the. Um, New marriage, etc., uh, etc. Et new music, new bands. So everything was new. It was a, it was a, it was a fresh new era. Um, and and for, you know, for all the activity and, and a hype um, with regards to the stripped down shows in in 2002, you know, the one night alone style stuff. It was really stuff that he that he had never done. Um, that's on that scale in that way before so that was very interesting too it was the yeah well I guess we're talking about the tour a, a bit but yeah um, it was one of those things that is one of those things that fans had always wanted you know Prince just play a stripped down tour mm. just just playing great music don't worry about the hits kind of thing and he, he finally did it and to so many fans it was such a a relief I think and mm. just amazing to see how good he was I mean sound checks sound checks were only open sound checks where you could buy tickets for if you're a member of the MPG, you know, obviously get hooked up that way. The, uh, 2002 and the Aussie shows and Hawaii shows in 2003, those were the only times in his entire career up until this point and, and up until, you know, even 2009, 2010 era, 
where that was the case. And I think the, those was for, for the people that, that got the opportunity, for fans that got the, that opportunity, you know, those are the sorts of things that you'll just remember, you know, forever. I mean, that's so rare for, for, for an artist of that magnitude um, to do that kind of stuff. It's just amazing. So, um, But yeah, and then 2003, obviously, slightly quiet, well, a grossly quieter year other than the release of news and some tours later on. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Let's get into some of the releases. We'll try to be as chronological as we can. I believe we had a little talk about this a while ago. Um, the first release was actually One Night Alone Piano and Voice, the, the solo album. Was that right? Yeah, release 14th of May 2002. Okay. Um, you know, we, we're not going to do track by track. Um, that's fair enough. But um, let's hear some thoughts about about the album. Let's maybe go back and start with Toe Jam this time. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting little album, and it, it kind of goes in with what we're talking about. It's it's so unique in that it's one of these things that Prince, you know, Prince fans had wanted for so long. Prince just do a piano album, and suddenly he comes along and does just a piano album, and it was such a relief at the time. Um, in some ways, it, it really does display how good a piano player he is. But at the same time, it doesn't really take it to that level that I was kind of hoping for. It shows his limitations as well, I think. Yeah, that's right. It shows his skill, but also his limitations. But that's, you know, that's not to say he's not a bad piano player. He's an awesome piano player. Um, yeah... Well, I hate to sound critical all the time, but one thing I don't like is some of the tracks sound a bit edited together, and there's you know, one that really gets on my nerves in the opening track where it's just a clear edit, and it's like, I wish he just had, had it cleaned it up a bit and done it again rather than trying to edit little bits in, because it's just really obvious when it's so sparse between uh, like solo voice and piano. Um, what else about this album? Yeah, it's 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 got some eggs on the cover. The eggs, oh, it's, it's symbol symbolising the new the new breath of life into his music. No. Oh. Everyone was trying to figure out what the three eggs represented. That was a big mystery at the time. Mm. And why they were blue, and why were they on top of the piano in a nest? Oh, yeah, the nest. That's right. Mm. I think the highlight for me is the um, have a heart objects in the mirror. Those two tracks they kind of segue into each other. And it's it's very subtle and very private uh, in terms of it just sounds like Prince playing some amazing things in his in his room kind of thing, um, and that's the kind of thing that I think as a fan I really get a kick out of. Um, and you've also got tracks like Avalanche, which have some really polarizing lyrics mm. that um, yeah, racism in, in the United States. Um, yeah, so all in all, it's a uh, a really fascinating little album very similar to The Truth uh, you know it's a concept album it's an instrumental concept album um, and he followed through with it don't know if it quite reached the peaks that he could have had he put more effort into it but I think for what it is it's a nice little addition to the Prince discography alright well then let's move on uh, Player what do, you, what do you think about this album um, One Not Alone Solo yeah at the time it was a bit weird this was the first album released during the second year of the music club and the offer was you paid a hundred bucks and you got four cds and this was the first one of them and 
before leading up to this there was talk of a piano album and fans getting really excited because I think up until this point when you saw Prince live he would do like a piano medley and it was a bit like a sing-along fest or a bit like Prince singing like in the campfire sort of thing um, and this was sort of very different it was a bit more somber a bit more personal um, it's a pretty short album um, and probably the highlight I, I guess for me is him doing A Case of You and dedicating it to his father um, Where, where's the dedication? Um, I think it says it in the liner notes mm, okay I, I only ever got the online version through the um, MPGMC yeah so yeah but that, that was, is really nice renditions. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it was included on the Joni Mitchell tribute album. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. The only one to get no, an actual CD release. Oh, no, no, no. What am I saying? Never mind. So, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> it was just... A, it was a strange little album, but it's it's kind of got its own little niche and... Um, it, it's nice to listen to every once in a while, but I think, like you said, it's it's um, it does have its not faults. What was it that you said earlier? Had its um, limitations. limitations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His piano yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but once you said it, that's definitely it. Yeah. I mean, when I said limitations, I <clears throat> thinking about you know the comment I made now. It's. I, I'm not entirely certain that it does show his limitations because it's not a an album, you know, a piano and voice album where he's playing, um, uh, what's the word, kind of abstract, um, impressionistic, spontaneous jazz p- piano. He's not doing that. He's, I think he's serving the song and the, the, the structure of the songs themselves, the course structure of the songs, more so. So I'm thinking, well, you know, none of the songs that I can think of yeah, give too much, allow too much of an opportunity uh, within themselves to, to solo or to, to improvise to the extent where he could really show off his chops as, as a pianist or keyboard player, etc. So I'm not even sure that, you know, it shows his limitations to that degree. Um, to, to a large degree. I don't know. I think it shows... Again, I, I agree that limitations is a harsh word, but it it's kind of shows that he has his little thing that he does on the piano, and it's really great what he does, but he doesn't show the versatility mm. that holds it back um, to saying it really shows he's a genius piano player. And Yeah, but, but does it need to, in the sense that... It, is this an album where... It's piano and voice, and he just wants to play stripped-down versions of these songs, or is it an album where he can show off his instrumental skills? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But there's kind of a, um, a, a kind of sameness in the way he plays. Uh, and again, this is sounding overly harsh. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like To me, I really enjoy it, but it didn't make me realize, oh, wow, Prince can also do this. It was kind of like, oh, this is Prince's version of a piano album, which is what it is, I guess. But it didn't, it didn't take my expectations to the next level. Yeah, was it, was it nothing new, maybe? Well, uh-huh. it was new in the sense that it was him doing originals basically on you know, solo piano and voice. But it didn't, like, there's certain, uh, 
again, I hate sounding harsh, but there's a, you know, <laughs> there's a theme here. of his playing that I had already heard before in live recordings and whatnot. Yeah. Studio, other studio songs. For me, when you listen to things like from the Under the Cherry Moon era, where he's doing a little bit of piano there, it doesn't seem as interesting as, as that sort of era. Mm. It seems like it's more more overthought. Like he's thinking, I have to do this, and it just seems a bit too... Whereas in the live situation, it's very spontaneous, and he stretches out, and, and, and it becomes very interesting, whereas this, it just seems it's too overthought sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I partially agree with that, actually. Um, it, he had never done anything like this. He did do the semi-acoustic um, The Truth album, which is is an excellent release from my standpoint but this was this was something entirely different it was it's it's piano and voice only as far as I I mean the only percussion you get is from his feet a little bit and, and maybe a a clap here or there as far as I can remember um it's a very sp- and what what the, the thing that I really like about the album um is how it's recorded uh it, it sounds unlike any other Prince release, even from the 02 and 03 era, it just sounds, the, the acoustics of the room, it, it almost sounds like he walked into one of the you know, Studio B or Studio B in um, which he probably did, at Paisley Park Studios and just played it there and that's it and, um, and he, I don't know, he probably only mic'd it very, very sparsely as well um, and, and that's what you get I Wasn't think this, um I remember reading somewhere that this was recorded while he was mixing the Rainbow Chips. Oh, really? Okay. So you can almost imagine him, you know, spending a couple of hours working on the Rainbow Children, mixing, and then thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just muck around on the piano kind of thing. Yeah. I think I know he's got a basis for a track, and he records it. And, I'll, you know, in a few days or a couple of weeks, he's got an album, yeah. I mean, the good thing about, if, if that is the case, then... then um, to me, that that's a, that's a positive, and that's probably why this wealth of information was recorded and was released. Because that that 2001 era, he he was really inspired, and you can tell by a lot of the composition and 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 playing um, performance of, of songs on um, the Rainbow Children. Uh, he's he's getting into his element, and he's I think you know Rainbow Children. Uh, we were bringing something in from a little earlier than than the O two three era, but Rainbow Children up to news. Uh, it is it, it, constant evolution and constant diversity and constant change so one thing I like about this album is it's, it's unlike any other release in Prince's history really I mean there, there are a lot of albums that are different but you could you know you can say uh, Controversy 1999 plenty of similarities um, concept albums you know Parade Around the World in the Day and you can just make all these comparisons but this is this really stands on its own as a is an intriguing, interesting release. One thing for me is the version of A Case of You. I really... I had never heard the Joni Mitchell version, which is the original. Um, I knew Prince was a fan of, of Joni's, but I never heard it. And after listening to this version, I have to say that I, not only do I think that this is a much better version of that song, um, it, albeit it's, it's in a modified form as well... Um, it, the Joni Mitchell version really doesn't do much for me. 
uh, for anyone that's heard it, I'm assuming everyone has. I haven't heard it. No? Okay. Nope. Um, it's her voice just... And I'm not a big Joni Mitchell fan, but I think she's she's got, you know, a fair amount of songs that I can, that I can listen to and enjoy. Her voice on her version of this song just doesn't... I don't know. It just it, there's something on on about it that gets on my nerves intensely. Um, he obviously likes it and respects it because he's re- yeah, it's remade a bit, it. But it's a bit folky. Yeah, it's folky yeah. and it's and it's kind of um, it's almost play schoolish. Yeah, some of her, the, the way that she sings some of those lines and he's taken out a verse or two, and I think the song is all the better for it. Um, what um, I just what album is that on? hers uh, yeah. it's on blue oh yeah okay because I remember yeah. reading somewhere that some interview Prince said his favourite album one of his favourite albums was Joni Mitchell The Summing of The Summer, the summer of, of Hissing Lawns Hissing Lawns yeah which I have which is a great 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 album actually I've got to get it I haven't heard it yeah it is it is a very good album yeah, better than blue in my opinion but um, yeah it's a, a case of you you're going to see me which was later remade on MPLS Sound um one Night Alone, great opening track. It kind of introduces all that kind of stuff. And I know we're not doing it track by track, but for me, the um, t- the two moments... Uh, a Case of You is probably my favourite part of the album, even though it's a cover. Um, the second and third favourite moments would be Avalanche. Um, and on any given day, it, it's it's my, my favourite song. It's just, I think it's the... The notes that he's playing, and, and it's, it's, the, you know, the keys that he's playing is beautiful. It's just... They have a very eerie, haunting quality, obviously. Um, the lyrics, controversial. I think Prince has his history a little bit... He, he's skewing it a little bit to tell that story. Um, it, to, to be fair to, to both... It's going to sound funny, but to be fair to both Abraham Lincoln and to Prince's perceptions as far as my understanding of history and, and that era of American history is concerned um, I, I think he's slightly exaggerating it um, his point of view but but it's it's a good point nonetheless I guess um, and, and the last thing I have to say about this is that moment I can't remember what the last song is I think it's Ar- Arboretum, Arboretum um, where he just he plays the last note there's a few seconds and you can hear him walking out of the room I just think that's brilliant absolutely brilliant for leaving that in um yeah and that's about it so uh uh I didn't really like it <laughs> when it first came out and I still don't like it that much there's it just doesn't flow in my ears I don't know what that means <laughs> but there's no groove. Maybe that's what it is. I know oh, you're a groove man. No, I was listening to the songs and I was thinking, you know, why don't I like this song or that song? Everyone still there? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're just, just perplexed. We're perplexed, but we're here. And yeah, I just it doesn't groove. Like he lets he's singing in a piano, but I. I he needs drums. He needs drums. He needs bass. <laughs> it's solo piano and voice. He, he needs some horns. He needs some, He needs scissors cutting, like on, um, what's that stupid track? What is it? Uh, we, I have no track. idea what you you're talking about. You know the cutting about. scissors track? No, I haven't heard it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wedding uh. feast. Anyway. <laughs> um, on this album, I do like... 
you know, I like the morning after, and of course, I like Young and Beautiful, which <laughs> everyone probably doesn't like that much on this album, but I like it. It's good, and I like Avalanche. I like A Case of You. But Toe Jam, you said you like objects in the mirror. That's nothing. I don't like it. Oh, it's, it's almost Burt Bacharach. It's almost like it. it's almost Burt Bacharach style to me. I don't know. It's a bit. But yeah, I, it, I need a groove, and this album just doesn't have it. You got Pearls Before the Swine. That's sort of got a beat going in it, but that's about it. Um, are we scoring these out of ten? Uh, no. <laughs> I could guess and say that it wouldn't be a high score for, a, high for you. It has All grown right. on me a bit in, what, seven years, eight years, whatever. <laughs> but not much. One track a year. It's probably in the bottom five of his albums for me. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Along with another one we're going to review in a few minutes I you're guess a gro- you're, a, you're a groove man that's for sure are we getting into the uh, live releases now then yeah, yeah. Everyone? yeah. okay alright so he's released this it's 2002 um, he released it I think play I mentioned May 2002 so the tour was underway um, and just to, to kind of back up a little bit post Rainbow Children in, in late I believe late 2001 when it came out was the tour that commenced uh, approximately March 2002 now this tour was was billed the One Night Alone tour um, the, the fact that you know you read a poster saying One Night Alone with Prince that's kind of like what just just Prince and the piano is that what, what in that case I'm not coming it would be Captain's response I'm not I don't want to attend that show pretty much I need the groove where's the band <laughs> yeah where's Prince and the band but um, you know that, that would have been an intriguing thing I and, uh, and it was for many fans the tour uh, look I'm just going to go off and, and before we go into the discussion of the release just say that that um, preempted by saying that the 2002 tour um, was one of the greatest tours he's ever done uh, if when taken at a whole any thoughts on the tour I agree with that yep me too yep. it was real music <laughs> Well, and it's really it was in only small the, venues. Hmm. Yeah, and it's only really the second major tour he's done where he hasn't focused on the hits. Um, like he's done is, other t- other tours where it's there's not as much emphasis, but they were always kind of there. He'd do a medley or, or something somewhere along the line. But this and the and the gold tour are really the only tour where you know this really was not about the hits at all. And it wasn't you know he played a couple of them here and there, but generally speaking, it was you're lucky if you got one of them so well yeah for the majority of the US part of it he didn't play Purple Rain yeah and then he then he started playing it just on piano yeah and then after a while he goes oh that's not going to work give me a guitar Mm. and then off he went which is what you need you can't play Purple Rain without a guitar what's he thinking (laughs) he didn't play Kiss he didn't play um, thank god Let's Go Crazy yeah he did play Little Red Corvette not as a band rendition from memory. Hmm. Uh, seldom did he play Purple Rain, so it really was a no-hits tour, which was awesome. Yeah. I would have loved to have been myself as I am now <laughs> in 2002. In other words, I would have loved to have been... You know, I'd rather be seven years older, but but have been a, yeah, a massive fan uh, back then because, yeah, God, I would have been... 
I would have been flying all over. Like, I would have went to, to Asia for the three weeks or the month or whatever and just went, imagine attending all those sound checks and, yeah. oh, God, my, <laughs> I just, I don't even want to think about it. It'll never happen again, so I don't want to think about it. But, yeah, I mean, the, the sound checks, you know, one thing to bring up, how mind-blowing is that? I mean, I just know from, I still haven't lifted my jaw since seeing the the Sydney sound check on the twenty fourth of October oh three, it's just it's just I can't believe I was you know behind the curtain so to speak watching Prince and the band rehearse for a show. I mean, are you kidding me? Hmm. Is is this is this who does that? Who has sound checks? God, can't believe it. I'm getting a little bit excited now, but yeah, <laughs> um, that that's a massive thing for me. So. One more thing that really made this tour awesome was John Blackwell, yep. Rhonda Smith, and Renato Neto. Yeah. Yep. You know, they have to be at least equal with uh, Michael B. and Sonny T. And, you know, some of the Love Sexy, some of the Times lineups. Like, mm. just unbelievable bands. Unbelievable. Yep. And not only are they, like, you know, virtuoso musicians, but it's just so funky. I'll agree they're an unbelievable band, but the difference between them and NPG, Sonny T, Michael B, etc., is they had personalities. These Rhonda and Renato, they never did anything. You never saw a glimmer of a human. They could just be robots. Uh, I'd probably disagree with you on that point, but you know what? You bring up a great podcast episode right there because we're going to get into his greatest and worst bands at one point. Um, but yeah, they let, didn't do anything. They just played. Renato just stands back there and plays his lines and, you know, Sonny T, they were laughing and joking around and being stupid and you could see, you know, they're having fun. They're enjoying it. Renato doesn't look like he's enjoying it. He looks constipated half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Renato, to me, all the times I've seen, either on video or at concerts I've seen him, he just looks like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't smile. He, he doesn't look like he... I, I me, will... Me, I, it's a job. He's getting I, paid and that's it. I didn't want to go down this path and the only reason I will go down this path and be as brief as I can, I just want to say something about Renato since I saw him, what, Less than two months ago, in um, in Montreux, Switzerland, July, um, at the jazz festival, he was very different at that show to when I saw him with the band in 2003 at the Aussie shows, even at the after shows, soundcheck, etc. The Renato that I saw at Montreux was surprisingly vibrant. Um, at a point in all the critics love you in Montreux, he's jumping up and down, clapping his hands and, you know, kind of animated. I've never seen him do that. So, I w- you know, if you would have spoken to me two or three months ago, I would have agreed with you completely. But I think there's a glimmer of hope yet for Renato. I think he's really, he's, he's jiving a little bit more than he used to. I sort of, um, he was definitely funkier than, than I've ever seen him. So, I don't know. I don't know. Well, unless your beloved Montreux DVD comes out, I'll just have to take your word for it. Un- Did you say unless? <laughs> it's not an option. It's got to come out. Bring it out. That's better. Bring it out. Come on. Um, where were we? Yeah, we'll get into another DVD. But, okay, so, look, the I'm sure we'll we'll talk about the tour because we'll, we'll talk about it live at the 11, etc. But the album, 
He released uh, an, an album, a one-two-three-disc set called One Night Alone Live, which was a document of the One Night Alone Tour, a compilation of various recordings from various cities from the US leg only, interestingly enough. And the third disc from the set was a after-show compilation, again, from the U.S. leg only. Now, as far as I remember, this was actually released either 17th during... 17th of December. Okay, so <laughs> right after the, um, the tour was over. And actually, if I want to be technical about it, he actually does mention it in the Aladdin DVD. So there might have been a bit of crossover there, but... Basically, it was released right, released right after the tour. Interesting to say the least. What is everyone's thoughts on um, these CDs? Player, what do you think? Um, the the song choices are very good. Um, the the way that it's recorded at multiple venues and sort of edited seamlessly is really good. You wouldn't really pick up on it unless you when you hear him calling out the names of the cities. Yeah, well, you think Portland. <laughs> yeah, he's going Portland, and then he's going Houston. LA. <laughs> yeah. So, I think um, you know, if you were to listen to it, and you you don't like, like, I I only picked up. I mean, obviously, people talk about it and how it's been edited. But if you were just listening to this, it's it's pretty seamless. Mm. Um, and I like the fact that basically the whole first disc is is really uh, full of more the Rainbow Children stuff and then the second disc is more a little bit more of the hits and the piano and then right at the end you got the Anastasia which he, he oh, had, what a he had him, yeah he had him <laughs> bought it back into the live set since Love Sexy so it was just it's just a really great CD and the other thing is just the, the fact that he'd never released a live album and someone yeah. that's um sort of known for his live performances and when it came out I thought yeah geez, he hasn't released a live album and him to do it is really refreshing and great to have and I, I like the long box style the packaging the booklet it's very classy the, and the amount of effort it went into is really really good mm. the booklet is very cool very yeah. cool yeah. some of the um, you know some of the text in there and the pictures and everything I'll just quickly jump in and say that yeah I it's kind of a strange way to introduce. I mean, you know, we do album reviews and, and discussions about all, all, all things related to Prince, but to to talk about this album and not go and, and not mention that this is the first official live release that Prince has ever done that that kind of escaped me. So I apologise for that. I sh- we should be praising it far more. I guess we're spoiled Prince, fan, Prince fans, but yeah, this is the, this is the one. This is and this is the only. Um, well, not the only. I'll, I'll, I'll admit my mistake. Except for the 21 Nights book. Yeah. Correct. But other than, other than that after show disc, I mean, this is really it. If you want, if you want to, you know, walk into your local wrecker stove <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and get a, a Prince, a live Prince album, this is your only choice if they stock it. If so, you can find it, yeah. Exactly. Um, the weird thing is, this, being... was a, this was a release on CD and yeah. possibly cassette, I doubt it. Uh, but he'd released a bunch of live videos before and mm. DVDs, but never a, a, an album like an audio CD, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Well, keep keep going, Captain. What else did you think? <laughs> uh, uh, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> did it, it, was, impre- it was just weird. Did, did, did the release impress you or...? 
Oh, it's my go, is it? Okay, yeah, then not? I'll keep going. Um, it did impress me, firstly, for the fact it was his first live album, and there's not a lot he could have done to really screw it up, because no matter what he did, it still would have been the first live album, audio album, that he's released. Um, it could have been heavily overdubbed, and it possibly still could be, not that we've noticed here and there. No. But... No. It was it's good. I like it. I haven't listened to it for apart from the last couple of days. I haven't listened to it since it came out. But but that's that's the thing that does annoy me is he's calling out Portland, he's calling out LA, he's calling out cities, and that's what I'm listening to because you know the songs. You've listened to album versions a million times. That tends to just wash over you. But when he shouts out something, not on the album version you hear that it makes yeah. you listen and then I hear that and I'm going okay Portland it's a Portland show yeah and then 10 minutes later it's somewhere else and that annoys me it would have been very easy just to cut that one word out here yeah. and not affect anything else the question is Captain are you a leader or a follower <laughs> yeah well he didn't ask me that but I would have said follower so he can shove his guitar in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been, I don't know, interesting. Yeah, can, I, can I get you a drink? Can he get you anything? What? And then, there's, and then there's that guy yelling out in the background, can I get you anything? <laughs> <laughs> Are you deaf, you idiot? <laughs> Classic. I, think if you listen, I can't remember if it's, if it's this or the Aladdin DVD, but no, it must be this. I think you hear someone in the background say, can I, can I get you anything? And then I think it's Rhonda or someone says, your name? Because, you know, at the time there was all this... Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that those things are still audible and they're still in there. I wonder if, if he heard them, that themsel- himself. I don't think there's one note of it or one word that he hasn't heard on this disc. <laughs> he would have gone yeah. over this... He would have spent some serious time editing this, I think. Yeah, more time than on the Aladdin DVD. Eric Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But um, I'll just say, out of this whole thing, the three discs, um, my favourite track is probably Strange Relationship. It just sounded so good on, on this tour. And Rhonda, yeah. yeah. Killing it on the bass. Rhonda's okay, but... On that song, it just she she does kill it, and it's good. Mm. Yeah, it's my favourite track. All right, Tajam, what are your thoughts on this release? Yeah, it's a cool little release. Very convenient that it's three discs. Mm. When as player was to saying, fulfill earlier, the obligation. to fulfil the obligation. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people assumed that it meant four li- uh, four albums, studio albums, but no, it said four CDs. So. He gave us one studio album and then this to complete the complete the subscription. So they're very convenient on his part. Mm. Uh, no more comment about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, ag- again, it's it's great that he released a live album, and I think this if he if he was going to release a live album from a tour, this is the tour to do it because it's stripped stripped down. It's him playing. There's there's not too much um, you know show that's going to distract from the music. So that is a nice aspect. Um, having said that, I think some of the audience participation bits work the first couple of times you hear them, like the um, you a leader or follower bit. It works yeah. the first time, but you know, once you've heard it once, you're like, yeah, whatever. And <laughs> I, I find the bit... A leader! 
<laughs> the same with the piano section as well. Um, I think once you've heard that piano section a couple of times, you're kind of like, okay, I get the idea. It's a little piano medley, and I don't think I've listened to that little piano medley since. Uh, but the rest of it I, li- I listen to occasionally. Um, my highlight on this album, and probably the live highlight for the tour for me, is The Everlasting Now. Um, that track just went off in 2002 on, on, on the live setting. Um, and, yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. It, there's not as many overdubs as a lot of the hardcore fans would like to make think there is. There, there are some, but it's not overly done. And, um, yeah, that's my thoughts on One Night Alone Live. All right, I'll close this one up before we go into the next uh I'll just, I'll just say yep. one thing uh, before you do that. <laughs> um, with this piano medley, you're right. Uh, you listen to it a couple of times and you're over it. But how many times have you listened to the piano medley from the Love Sexy video? I could yeah. listen to that forever. <laughs> I could listen to that a million times and I'd never get sick of it. But yeah, I think this, that's a bit more fascinating because you're actually watching him. You're watching the video. Yeah, I was going to say that if this was if if if, the, if you got a video along with this, then you might have a different opinion. This on could it. have made a very good DVD. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a, a nice little chuckle to themselves. All right, I'll, uh, I'll finish up my, with my thoughts on on this uh, one alone live release. Um, I can't believe how rarely I l- listen to this. Um, because when I listened to it recently, I was really flabbergasted by a lot of the performances. I think the um, the version of Xenophobia is brilliant. It's so good. Like the band performance is just immaculate. Yep. Um, th- there are a few different. Um, there are a few other different performances that I really like. I like the other side of the pillow. Um, when you were mine, pretty cool. Um, uh, and you know, preaching aside, there, there, there are a few pretty interesting um, other moments on the disc. Not least of which is the version of Anastasia, which is brilliant. Like I just floored when I hear the version of that song. He's just, you know, you can tell when he's in the mood, and he's really in the mood on that one. And what a perfect closer to that to that second disc. Those, those parts where he's, where he's screaming out LA LA Los Angeles and all that kind of stuff that really kind of it's really cool and I love the instrumental part at the end of Anastasia yeah. I don't know what that is but it's it's really cool kind of atmospheric music so that's a big thing but look I'm, I'm going to mention the after show disc because no one's really uh, gone into that and I apologise if we were meaning to do it separately yep um, and were we? Oh, I was. Uh, okay. Well, I'll mention it now and then everyone can just jump in or jump in at any time. We can have a big conversation about it. Um, the, the after show disc for me is the highlight of this set. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, again, join repetition uh, makes uh, makes it's, it opens up the disc and it, it, it that, that disc never really fully recovers from, from that first track because it's so brilliant and... Um, uh, I just I, I would like to talk about that performance for the next hour. Is that all right with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> it, what a what an amazing, brilliant performance! It it that is the only thing that I've been listening to year in and year out, like constantly. I've been wearing that performance out. It's 
from from the opening bit where he says, I can't remember what does he say. He's like, oh, how long you guys been waiting? Just give us a minute to get tuned up. And then he comes up with his awesome guitar opening. It's just ridiculous. Larry G's bass playing is so, so good. So amazing on this. Um, Larry G. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just brilliant. It's just it's just amazing to hear and um and the his guitar playing the guitar solo that just you know this is the guitar solo that never ends kind of deal is just really really cool um so that's brilliant and you know the the rest of the disc also has has some really cool moments alphabet street for one um Peach kind of gets monotonous a little bit, but you know it's a great disc to put on and go and just imagine that it was you know it's all it's from different aftershows, but if you just imagine it was from one, you just kind of get that feeling, that feeling of being at a Prince aftershow. And I, for one, a lot of people slag the George Clinton appearance. I think it is filthy funky, like it is brilliant. It sounds like his throat is like on vacation. Like it's just, it's just. I don't know. He's either got laryngitis or something. I don't even know if that's the right reference. But there's something wrong there. But it just makes it sound even more grotesque and dirty. And it's just brilliant. Um, what does he say? He goes, uh, "Can you?" Oh, I forget the. I forget what he actually chants. We do this. Yeah, we do that. <laughs> it's brilliant, brilliant. And then Prince's guitar soloing on the end of that you know, that song and I love music on there it's, yeah, it's just brilliant brilliant disc player I know you want to jump in so give it a go I, I agree with you um, Joan Repetition I mean this this should have been released as a just the song itself as but, a video single yeah <laughs> the other thing with these um, the only thing that I don't like about this album is the way it's edited it just doesn't sort of flow Naturally, exactly, like a exactly, exactly like a normal after show. And if you're familiar with the after shows, and I know all of us here aren't because we don't listen to unofficial recordings. Correct. Uh, it it doesn't it doesn't sort of flow. Yeah. It's I would have liked it to have been just one show instead of multiple after shows. Mm. One good kick-ass show, and then that's it. But it's a it's a nice little. Um, addition to the one night alone because it's, it's kind of like going to a concert you go to the concert and then you go to the after show so this package you're getting all of that in the in the package so it's good uh, one thing I just wanted to quickly add is again I haven't I haven't mentioned it enough already is join repetition is fucking mind blowing <laughs> <laughs> it because <laughs> oh, I, I as you were talking you know you started up with join JR again and I was like oh freaking hell that is so cool the best thing about that track to me is memories I have and because of the review we're doing now very recent memories of listening to that on headphones and his guitar is mixed so upfront in that mix it's just you can hear everything it's brilliant it's just complete ear candy it's just amazing amazing if anyone else wants to jump on jump in on that one before we go uh, joy or the whole thing oh anything Joy or the whole thing? Joy, let's start with Joy. Is there any more love for Joy and Repetition (laughs) in the room? (laughs) Obviously not. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys, I've been offline, so I don't know what you've been saying. Ah, okay. Two Nigs United, Um, West Compton. Uh, It is not. It's just a jam. 
don't call yeah, that's that. true. That's true. Don't 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 do that. Oh, there the, there is that um the the sit well, not the well, sit. He does I guess shout the, it out just like in the original version. The, the, the keyboard the keyboard line and the bass actually is pretty reminiscent of it. Uh, it's a loose interpretation then. <laughs> it's not an accurate representation. Okay, okay. I'll tell you one thing. The peach version here is like 11 minutes. I remember when I first got this, I fell asleep and I had a dream that um, I was like, I think I was at a sound check of the Prince concert <laughs> and I was, my, my brain absorbing that, the, the horns and that, that just that song. And in the dream, I, I, I made up that riff. I got up on stage and started playing it. And he's like, oh, geez, that's good. <laughs> that was a cool dream. <laughs> but nothing oh, good. That, that's uh, great. <laughs> yeah, I don't like... Well, my highlight of this... Yeah? Sorry, Captain. My highlight of this album was the ballad of Dorothy Parker. That that thing goes off. Yeah, oh, yeah. Way, I forgot about that. The way that John Blackwell yeah. tries to imitate the Lynn drum is awesome. Yeah, unbelievable. He's a machine. And the... He's a robot. Leonardo Nito piano solo. Awesome. Yeah, it's good that you can only hear Renato and not see him, isn't it? You can see how much he's not enjoying himself. (laughs) (laughs) You can sit back and imagine it's Prince playing it. Yeah. Hmm. Except Prince cannot (laughs) play some of the things Renato plays, most of the things Renato plays. Thank God he can't, you know. Um, I'm a big fan of his his interpretations his loose interpretations of piano playing <laughs> now, that, that, now that's overly harsh to use a cor- to um, use a toe jam phrase term um, yeah so uh, look any more love or hate for, for joy and repetition or okay <laughs> it's good is... okay <laughs> it's not a horrible track or one night alone uh, the, the after show disc anything 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 my, my main going problem once. is it's a mishmash Give us one concert. Give us one after show. Jeez, we're such whinging Prince fans, aren't we? <laughs> oh, God, you are especially. Anyone else would be so happy. You know, there's... Uh, what are they called? The, you know, drinking the purple Kool-Aid. You know, the ones that really love absolutely everything he does. They probably love this album and think it's the best thing in the on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and all we go, oh, yeah, it's crap, man. Yeah. Look, I'm a you big fan of the album. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You're off your head. What are you talking about? This is a brilliant album. Give me one. Good. Next, you're going to be saying you're saying you like the morning after more than this release. Oh, that that can't be the don't, case. Don't, don't start. Don't. don't. No, we, should, we should really leave morning after alone. All right. Look. Look. Get, getting on to um. Getting on to another pair of albums. In the um in the lead up to um the another infamous what what will become an infamous review of the Aladdin DVD by by the four of us, uh, <laughs> let's let's do uh, expectation go into expectation and C note which from memory is next yeah more or less close enough okay close expectation enough expectation came out on the first of January two thousand and three all right it was New Year's Day I remember I was there downloading it expectation aptly titled release. Um, Anyone want to go at this? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, let me. I'll do something different for, for, for this round. Are there any expectation fans in the house? Yes. Yeah, I'm a fan. A- any? <laughs> All right. Um, player, take the floor. Expectation. What do you like about this? Um, mainly because it's it's the One Night Alone band, and it's sort of an extension of the One Night Alone tour. 
Um, it's Prince's first album that's instrumental that has his own name to it. I mean, before that, he had Madhouse. Um, and, and this is sort of like a different angle, having Vanessa May doing the violin over it. Mm. Um, I wonder if she recorded that or if she came into the studio. It would be interesting to know. From what I remember, she just recorded it and sent it to him. Mm. Okay. They weren't um, in the studio together. Okay. I remember yeah. reading something. It was a quote from Vanessa May. I remember reading it, and she said she didn't... I think she did meet him, but they, they didn't record it together. Mm. He was uh, sending her tapes, and she was recording stuff on it. Sorry. Cool. That's <laughs> right. Um, I think it's quite cool that each song title starts with the X theme. Um, the, the only um, thing I don't like is that it's missing um, xenophobia off it. Oh, exactly. Mm. And if that was on it, I don't know why he took it off, but if that was on it, it'd be a really, really good album. Yeah. But, yeah, he took it off, changed it to Expectation, and this is it. But, uh, yeah, overall, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I work it on a few times and on and off, and, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Okay, Toadjam, give us your thoughts. I think Toadjam's having online problems... Is he? Okay. Um, I'll go. In that case, go. Um, I downloaded this album the, the, the minute, oh, the, a few minutes after it was released, and I listened to it, and I thought, oh, that's okay. <laughs> there's no groove, right? No, there's uh, some tracks. A few, fair few of the, the tracks have the groove. And I like Vanessa May. She, she's not an ugly woman. Uh, that helped. That helps me like this album. <laughs> you can't see her. <laughs> but I know what she looks like. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the album covers. Hmm. She's nice. And I listen to this album, and I think how nice she looks, and I think, that's a nice album. <laughs> <laughs> because she played on it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, okay. That, yeah, I'm annoyed. Is xenophobia. The track is not on here. There was a short loop of it on, I think, the Music Club website for a while. And then that got taken down. And then he released the live version on One Night Alone Live. And then for some reason he took the studio version off this and called it Expectation. Yeah, you know, it could be that the live version just completely trumped it. I mean, he thought, oh, yeah, I won't put this tinny, tiny version on there. Uh, who knows? Um, but it was, was Xenophobia the track which is based on something from Eric Leeds and Times Squared? Is it this track? Mm-hmm. We talked about this last time. Is it Xenophobia? I'm not sure, but I was about to say, and I don't know what the what the piece it is. Was it but something I was, Dopamine Rush Suite? Was it that, or was it something else? No, it was something off Times Squared. Yeah. It was, yeah, I, I, it was something off Times Squared, but I also think that there is... God, I can't for the life of me think of the reference, but it's quite... Uh, th- there was a jazz staple from years years ago now years that, gone by yeah the, and and uh, Leeds Leeds's line horn line um, sounded very similar to and they kind of structured this song around that I'll, I'll think of it one day and maybe I'll bring it yeah, if I can remember to bring it up I will but um, yeah there was something something similar but um yeah, I mean, ex- expectation. I kind of agree with you, Captain, that there's not uh, 
there's not a lot to get excited over. Uh, I do like the presence of Vanessa May, but more for her violin playing. Oh, especially, yeah, she's, she's good at that too. Especially on her... I'm sure that's what Prince said. Um, especially the, the opening track, I think it's brilliant. Um, very elegant, and, and it really sets the mood. Uh, she does make an appearance later on as well, which is which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's, I, I haven't given this a lot of listening until very recently, obviously because of this this episode of the show. Uh, and I will be playing it more often. I think it's a, an exquisite release. Uh, it's just it exudes class. The only thing is that I wish. I had a CD, you know, like a lossless version yes, of it. Yes, that's my other problem. If it was recorded, and maybe it was recorded brilliantly, but didn't transfer well on the on, you know, the, the downloaded version of the MPG. If it, it just seems to me like the music is so interesting and the com- compositions are so interesting. It deserves um, a release. Yeah, it does. It really does deserve a release. More so than any other online albums, I think, that he's done. I mean, if this was... If if expectation had the acoustic, uh, the acoustics of news, for example, I think it would be far more brilliant and a much better release. I'd, it's it's probably the closest he's come to um, instrumental jazz and making it work, and, and you know, and and giving it a princely feel as well. Um, than anything he's ever done. Uh, the last track is probably the highlight of the whole piece for me. Um, Expedition. It kind of goes all over the place, and John Blackwell is just a monster drummer on that. But he, he, um, he really gives it. He gives it his all. I mean, there's, he just fills and fills and fills all over the place. Brilliant uh, jazz drumming. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty great release. Um, I like I wonder... Exemplify. That's my favourite. Yeah, Exemplify is quite cool as well. It's, yeah, it's the most madhousey. Mm. To me. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> that's great. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, so, so that's it. Uh, and but before we go to Toe Jam, I, I wonder, and um, Toe Jam, jump in on this one if you can, whether it's Prince on the keys because my recollection says yes. He's all over on the on the on the Fender and on the From keys. Memory, on the, yes. yeah, yeah. Him on all the keys. Which is, pretty, which is pretty nice. Um, it didn't sound like Renato because the lines were a lot, you know, the, his his little runs lines. His, you know, the runs that he's doing are, are slower <laughs> and they're, they're not as intricate. But the feel is very, very... He's, Prince has got a very interesting touch, I guess, on any instrument. But on piano, he's got this kind of... I don't know what it he's is. very Thelonious Monk on the piano. He's very, like, minimalist. And he plays mm-hmm. a lot of... Uh, like sort of subtle rhythms when he's doing this kind of stuff. Well, and Prince he described, does play some interesting harmonies. Prince described himself on Keyboard Magazine as a colorist. As a what? Colorist. Yeah. Uh, okay. So he had. That's nothing to do with it. being racist, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um. Yeah, that's that's actually a very interesting thing. If it came from the um, from from his from his mouth, uh, he he does kind I'd of sprinkle. He's in the Thelonious Monk school of piano jazz playing. That's not to say he's at his level, but that kind of, you know, rhythmic colorist, I guess you could say. Mm. Yeah, it's kind a, of slightly out there, slightly out there. And you can you can definitely hear it on on this album. Um, 
in a similar way to one not alone um, uh, voice and piano only but uh, yeah, this is this is a little bit different I think it's probably because he's using a he's not playing on a grand piano for the most part um, or, or at all I, I guess um, yeah it's interesting it's just nice to hear it's nice to hear that uh, I assume every, everything else is a band performance i.e. bass ronda drums John yes. violins etc Vanessa Mesa yeah interesting release Toe Jam uh, jump in on this one let us know what you think of expectation oh, my notes for this one I've got Madhouse for the 20th century <laughs> uh, it's a little bit more jazzy than Madhouse but it's like Prince's take on jazz it's still very much kind of 70% fun uh, and Candy taking the leads of Eric, of Eric Leeds in, in this case um, don't know if she I think I prefer Eric but she certainly does do a bad job is Eric on uh, here at all? No, I don't think he is. Andy, Andy's playing the sax. Um, Expedition is my favourite track. It's one of the most out there Prince compositions or Prince tracks ever. It just goes in so many different places, Mm. and it sounds so spontaneous. That's what I like about it. Even now, when Um, you listen to it, yeah, it sounds to me like it's basically. I can imagine Prince and John Blackwell just jamming between the two of them, and then him going on later on and adding all the overdubs and getting the sax parts and all this kind of thing. That's I can imagine them. that's how they recorded that one. Um, what else have I got? Uh, Exosphere. Um, getting a bit technical here. Something I'm quite proud that I found. The chord chords used for Exosphere is basically a jam over the four chord turnarounds that he uses in The Central Ever After at 1 minute and 17. How did you get that? I don't know. I was just hearing it one day. I'm like, that sounds like the part in the Central Ever After. So go to the Central Ever After on the Rainbow Children. Go to 1 minute 17. Those four chords is what this song is. Just him jamming wow. over those chords. I was, I was just about to ask. A major, G major 7. Does... F major 7. And then E major 13 sharp 11. Those four chords. It's good you explained so where the Central Ever After is from, because I was about to say, what the hell is that track? Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember it. I'll, I'll just jump in quickly with two things. Um, he, he, You mentioned the Major 7th. He, he tends to use that a lot in a lot of his music, um, that particular chord, uh, I've I found anyway, um, especially in a, in a lot of his a lot of his late his 80s ballads, work. Yeah, yeah a lot, so yeah. it just... It tends to come through a lot. I don't. I, it, it's almost like it's a favourite of his. Uh, and you're right. Yeah. Well, the, I think I, it's I, just Prince is always one of the aspects that I like about Prince is that he's he's a pop song. Essentially, he's a pop song writer, but he he uses um, basic four note chords for mo- most of the time. Like he's not like you know I don't know. This is just my interpretation. Like Beatles are a pop song, you know, band as well. But most of their chords are three note chords, major chords, minor chords. And whatever, but Prince always adds these adds the the higher extensions, which I always, I always enjoy. The colours, yeah. the colours, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess to a degree that you could describe it that way. Um, Different ways. Then other times I think, well, no, he actually he doesn't take it as far as like some jazz piano players would. So. But he's not a jazz um, yeah piano player per but, per se. Oh, you lie! He clearly <laughs> he clearly has. Um, whether or not he has the actual theoretical knowledge, but he uses lots of different to make his harmonies. That's what I've always liked about his music. Mm. 
Yeah, um, I think one thing that we um, just intersecting into this O two O three discussion. One thing that that I'd be very interested to discuss is the music and the composition. Prince as a composer, uh, we we should really do an episode or a, a show on that, and and maybe get a little bit more technical. Not too technical, I guess. There's a limit to what I can talk about, but Toe Jam certainly could probably jump in and and. Um, uh, and go through some of the details and I'm sure Player and Captain have some thoughts about his compositional skills and all those sorts of things um, that, I think that would make a very interesting show because yeah you're right he's, a, he's, in, the, he's in the pop mold pop I guess rock funk whatever etc etc but he does add um, a certain amount of uh, variation in, in, into the, you know, the, the typical uh, people's opinions of, of a typical pop song, so it's interesting, and and I guess going away from expectation and, and heading into something like C Note, this will probably be a quick roundup review. Um, that it just continues on. You you hear a bit of that in, in C Note, and then further on in news, etc. But C Note, um, I downloaded it from the MPGMC. Um, those are my only memories of it. I believe it was a download only release. Um, and uh, I haven't got much to say about it other than my favourite track on that is Empty Room and even then it's nowhere near as good as the Empty Room that they played at the Montreux Jazz Festival um, that I attended a couple months ago. But uh, what is everyone's thoughts on that? I might give it over to Captain, seeing that most of these, you know, the five first five songs on, on C-Note were from Japan and Captain was in Japan in 2002. I, so I thought. I downloaded this they they originally came out as emails to to different countries or something and some and people it, were getting it and some people weren't it was weird Australia, how it happened Australia got them all did we? Oh, okay yeah. what what happened was because um, the one night on my tour he toured the US and Europe the fans that were part of the music club in Australia weren't really seeing the value of the hundred dollars mm. because we weren't getting that so what happened was the first downloads uh, I think Europe got two and America got two and then they were completely different and then trading notes they realised that each country, set of countries were getting different tracks but Australia got all the tracks all the Australian members got all the tracks and I think uh-huh. we filled the void for the other countries and I think that was Prince's way of recognising that yeah I'm not going to get to Australia but here's your little um, reward sort of thing for being a member uh-huh. interesting <laughs> So, yeah, this this came it's out. It's kind of redundant because it was all released later on anyway as a package. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, it was it was sort of good for the Australian members because we didn't get the the tour at that time because we had nothing. Because I think there was a plan for after Japan to, to come to Australia, never materialised. So, mm. yeah. Okay. He, he always does that. <laughs> Many times. Yeah. There was supposed to be Act Three. Yes. After Act 1 and Act 2, he would finally uh, tell us what the symbol means. He's going to tell us his name. <laughs> it never happened, of course. Good on you. But, uh, I'd Count like to 10 in a deep breath, Captain. <laughs> my favourite track of these is... Uh, it's a toss-up between Tokyo and Empty Room. I really like Tokyo for some reason. Just when he sings Tokyo, that gets stuck in my head all day. For some reason, empty Tokyo. rooms. Are good. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's an earworm. Earworm. Sorry. 
<laughs> an empty room's good. This hasn't been officially released, has it? Empty What's room. What's that? Empty yeah. room. Is there, there's not a studio version. No, no. The, the, no I didn't no, know. No. Because I saw him play. He played Empty Room in Japan when I was there. I saw him play it. Is that the version? The version on C Note is. Do you know? Can you tell whether that's the version that you heard? It's or is not the one on C Note. Is from uh, Copen- It's from Copenhagen as well. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. And which annoyed me because uh, the one in Fukuoka was uh, just absolutely blew your head off. <laughs> and I want to hear that again, which would be nice. But the, the sound check, I would like to hear the whole sound check. <laughs> Release that, that and I'll be happy. <laughs> That'll be good. Uh, C note, it's good. Uh, I rate it better than One Night Alone piano. So what's that say? Hmm. Even though this what does that say about you? <laughs> <laughs> this is you know it's half as many tracks and there's a lot less words hmm. that I like. And it's play. a lot more funk and there's drums in it, Captain. There's, there's drums and bass and the, there's vocals. It's nice. Yeah. Tokyo. And there's, there's oh. huge guitar solos in Empty Room, which is mm. good. Short, huge, short guitar solos. Yeah, done without the aid of a whammy bar, I must mm. add. Interessante. Um, I'll jump in quickly, because uh, C-Note is, is kind of like a more of a breeze-through album, maybe player and um, Toe Jam will... will will correct me on that but yeah I agree with everything that Captain said other than Empty Room I think that obviously look I I heard a a far greater superior version of Empty Room seven years later so you know he he couldn't have possibly known that he was going to (laughs) trump that performance Uh, so look that's fine I I, I wish that the Montreux version was on there but that doesn't even make any sense it's in the future um, but yeah, the the instrumental tracks are interesting. Um, nothing memorable. I will play this rarely. But you know, f- f- from a musical point of view, it is more interesting than One Night Alone piano and voice because only from the point of view of it, it's just easier to listen to. You can put it on. There's a groove. You can hear the band, and it's just what you're used to. I think the One Night Alone, and even more so, expectation. You know, they they test your expectations, I guess, and and they're they're um you really need to spend some more time with them to to figure out whether uh, whether you like them or not, etc. So, uh, Toe Jam, what do you think about this release? Yeah, this is a a weird kind of release. Um, I think Prince was really proud of the way and the bands were able to improvise these kind of tracks on the uh, during the sound checks of the tour, and I think um, he's obviously again like he's really proud, so he's put them out as a mini album, and I think that's a, a cool little idea. And I think this was the inspiration for the news album. These improvised sound checks. I think he's really got into this, and then thought, yeah, I'm going to take this into the studio and and turn it into a into news essentially and I find it interesting that the track Osaka is very similar um, the groove of Osaka is very similar to the second half of South from news so it, I don't know whether that's intentional or whether it's just coincidence um, but I think he, he's obviously really happy with the way the band was functioning that he was able to release these improvisations essentially uh, and then he obviously was inspired enough to, to take that to the studio which was really interesting in that respect um 
I've got here finally an official release of Empty Room, but I have to agree it's not the greatest version. Um, the track Copenhagen, the original release had, was longer. Um, 13, I don't think I've ever actually heard it. Yeah, I don't think I ever actually tracked down the longer version, but apparently it had a part of a Miles Davis song, Gene Pierre, and that was the reason yes. why it was edited down. Yes, that's yeah. it. Which is also interesting because the, the track has always reminded me of another 80s Miles track that was played live called The Senate slash Me and You, which is on a few of his live albums, and it's a similar kind of groove to that track, so I don't know whether that, again, is intentional or not. Or not. Probably just coincidence. Stream of consciousness. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so it's a nice little EP. I wouldn't really consider it an album. It's probably a bit short. So it's a nice little EP of collection of, of live tracks. So no complaints for what it is, really. Now, the, the right. meaning of C-Note, it's something about a $100 bill, but I don't know how or why. What yes, does it mean? C-Note's like slang for a $100 bill. Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, entry note. Why? What's what's the, what's C got to do with a hundred? I'm guessing it's century. Maybe I don't know. Hundred, yeah. Oh, possibly. Player. Uh, nothing pretty much to add to what you guys have said. I, I've always seen it as a bit of a filler for um to to, to fill fulfill some of the um MPGMC uh, work. Yeah, it seems people. like that. And I just think that he's just thrown it on there, um, which at the time was, you know, a bit of a complaint. But if you compare it to Lotus Flowers, I guess it's pretty good. So, I mean, I wish he'd, he would throw something similar up on Lotus Flower now, just something that he can put up there. But, yeah, it's 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 nice. But, yeah, it's not something that I would um, spin uh, on a regular basis, but nice little addition to the collection. All right. Uh, now that we've uh, gone through a fair amount of releases, I think it's time for Aladdin. What do you guys think, Aladdin? Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's, let's all get emotional and hyped up about live at the Aladdin. Prince live at a grubby, disgusting old casino. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, that's what it is, and. Um, I, I won't go into my reviewer thoughts on this completely, but I, I, I think it's a good idea to, to start off this Aladdin DVD pseudo-review by saying, how stupid is the first two or three minutes where, you know, he says, it comes up in um, in white writing, uh, advising the viewer that, you know, on a certain day in 2002, Prince was going throwing an end of tour party or something like that. You know, um, for his for his closest friends, and a few people heard about the party and decided to crash it. It's just so lame. It just it gets me every time. It's like <laughs> what it, what value did that add? It's and, and, and do you know what the worst thing? This the, the really stupid, ridiculous thing about the whole thing is, and you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Is as that writing is on the fucking screen, his limo is passing a huge billboard advertising the show. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It poses more questions than it answers, Prince. That would have been cool if it was you know like 1987. <laughs> exactly. And when we found out about it, we'd be like, oh, it was some secret gig and people found out. 
Simpsons. Yeah, but it's like a gig that people bought, you know, tickets for, and it was advertised, and there was huge billboards all around the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, give us a break. I mean, that's just, I, I you know, it might be tongue in cheek, but it's it's not the greatest piece of comedy that the guys come up with. So I just wanted to start off with with a with on a positive note. Um, and also, it was advertised on um, Jay Leno when he'd done the Everlasting. Exactly, Down. that's Jay Leno goes <laughs> catch uh, Prince at the Aladdin. It was like that week, the same week oh, or something. Oh, that's how that's how that's how the people found out. Found out about it. Yeah, they watched the Leno. There you go. Um, look, where to start with this particular DVD? I, I for one, before we get into a, a, a food fight over it, I, I just want to say that. Other than everything else that you're about to hear, listeners, I, I think that it it's like it, it, the music music value, performance value, pretty good show. Uh, everything else that you're about to hear detracts from it severely. So why don't we just get into it? Um, oh, I mean it's shit <laughs> as far as <laughs> as far as. Um, the okay, video, let's, let's the filming, done, the sound, the production of the DVD, the menus, the artwork. The bonus track. The, bonus the, track. The, the brilliant camera the work. Bonus track. Oh, the shit-ass camera work. <laughs> oh, where else can I... The, um, the, the little slideshows in between the tracks. What the hell is all that about? And the, uh, really, the audio r- really failed. Like, if the audio was mixed superbly and it was 5.1 in 2003, <laughs> or, or if, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's stereo. And it's so... It, the mixing is unforgivable. Like, it's... I almost think, and I'll let all you guys just ramble amongst yourselves after this point, I almost think that it's a swipe. Uh, like, maybe... Maybe not completely, but there's a bit of. I feel like Prince the Cynic came out on uh, comes out on live at the Aladdin DVD as far as the production because it it looks like a bootleg. Oh, and was, I think uh, uh, I, I think you're gonna say <laughs> I think it's intentional because it's filmed more so like a bootleg. It's the sound quality is like a bootleg. The production value is like a bootleg, and it's like, well, you know what? I'm gonna res- I'm gonna. I'm going to produce something in the same vein and see all these fans just eat it up. And, and, and the, I think the other thing is there's a part of Prince that, um, you know, other than this One Night Alone live album and this live DVD, doesn't relieve, release live stuff because I think he... I honestly think he thinks the more live stuff I release, the less people are going to come to my shows and it's going to, you know, ruin the mystique, etc., etc. Let's open up the round table and just slam the live... Uh, uh, Aladdin DVD player, Toe Jam Captain, go all at the same time. Say something. <laughs> it's butchered. <laughs> it's it's the thing that is a massive letdown of this DVD is that it's sort of tagged along with the One Night Alone concert and the CDs and all that. So you know, like I was saying before, the packaging for the One Night Alone CDs is very classy, and then you get this. It would have been so much better if, like you said, it was 5.1, if there was, you know, a bit of a booklet, it was a complete show, it was, you know, more officially filmed, maybe HD, just something, <laughs> but what we got was just crap. And it also, too, if you compare it to his other live 
releases, even though they were VHS or whatever. I mean, you put this up against it, it's just garbage. Yeah, you, you put this, this 2003 release, up against Love Sexy 88 VHS. <laughs> and Sign as times anything. Yeah, like, leave the, yeah, leave the show and the content aside. The production value, it's, he's taken a hundred steps backwards. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I want someone to bring up, I, I want someone to pump in some logic into this conversation. Like, ha, who in their right mind releases something like this in 2003? When I first watched this, I was watching it and I was thinking, Remember back, like, in, what was it, 96, when he was trying to get out of his Warner Brothers contract? I thought, this looks like something he'd give them, just to fulfill his contract and just say, look, here's some crap, just end the contract, that's, you've got your your album now. I just thought it was that rubbish. It's, no comment, it's horrible. I didn't even watch it. I haven't, I've watched it once when I got it, and I've never watched it since. I thought I should watch it so I can review it, and then I thought uh, I couldn't even do it. But even, but even if you think about the sacrifice of Victor and the... So that's, um, great. that's great. It's great, but it's not a complete... It's, it's, even though it's filmed better, it's, it's all chopped up a bit the same way. And the other one that was filmed in 88... I'm oh, sorry, 98... Um, the yeah, beautiful Paris. strange beautiful strange thing that's chopped up as well mm. so I think I think he's deliberately taking performances that aren't complete and just throwing them out there but this and one's why? the worst of them yeah but why I mean what what is the possible reason I mean we're we're, we're the four of us are pretty bright guys I, I tend to <laughs> I tend to think we surely between the four of us um we can come up with a plausible reason. How about a plausible excuse for releasing this? There's got to be something in what you said as he's made it look like a crappy bootleg. There's got to be something in that. I don't know what, yeah. but I think he's trying to tap into the. He's trying to tap into the, you know, the underground. This was the underground tour. You know, um, this kind of. I'm only. I'm not playing. I'm not out there to impress the masses. I'm out there. To, because I'm an artistic warrior kind of thing, and it kind of has that arrogant kind of feel the way it's edited and filmed and everything. But it, and he, it just he wasn't it's just such to disappointment the either. Yeah, it was just <laughs> such a disappointment for what for, for what it could have been. It could have been spectacular, but it just yeah. But instead, it was craptacular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having said that, um, I ripped hmm. the audio of this onto a one CD when it first came out and I actually listen to that more than I do One Night Alone Live simply because there's no there's, the piano medley's not there it's just it's short and sweet uh, and I yeah so I I don't have a problem that much with the audio too much the but performances yeah, the videos, are great yeah yeah the performance is, is awesome actually Pop Life that, uh, that version of Pop Life is probably in my top 10 version live versions yeah. of Prince songs I mean it's brilliant yeah and you've got Sheila E there and you've got um, Eric Leeds you know, adding those two to that three rhythm section I mentioned before, how can you go wrong? So, you got like in the, that the, sense, it's the uh, guest appearance of Nika Costa, which is actually probably one of the highlights of the bad. disc for me. Yeah, um, cool. you know, like his his guitar playing, as it usually does, takes that song into the uh, you know 
makes a bit and of song out of it. even DJ Dudley D doesn't doesn't ruin it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it sounds okay. <laughs> yeah, it sounds alright. Um, MC, what were you saying before about Prince queuing Eric Leeds or someone or Macy or someone? Oh, yeah, that's where it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly where it is. Um, it, I think it's towards the end, you know, the latter half of, of it. But there, there's a moment where Prince cues uh, Eric Leeds. Eric, blow your horn. Something like that. And the the audio is fine. Right after that command, Eric blows his horn, to be sure. But um, it, it cuts to, for a few seconds, of video footage, and Eric's... Standing around, looking at the floor, with his mouth, with the mouthpiece of of his, you know, of his horn, far away from his mouth, um, nowhere near, in fact. And it's like, well, how did you miss that? <laughs> That's it's it's I'd a glaring mistake. It's like a bad. Yeah, no, I'd say there was a there's just a video problem, and the only way he'd get out of it was just to quickly show a wide shot. That's yeah. basically the only explanation for it. Yeah, it's it's strange. That it's, as well. You know what? Maybe that's that one thing that made it more a more, a more sincere bootleg <laughs> uh, uh, production. It's like you know, it's not perfect. There's there's a piece of crappy footage in here. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's so frustrating from the point of view of production and. The performance is... See, I've never heard anyone, uh, or very rarely heard anyone critique the performance. Like, no one ever says, oh, they're, they're playing shit. Like, Blackwell's crap, he's missing notes, Ronda's just a shit bass player, uh, you know, Renato's nowhere to be seen, Prince looks half asleep. Like, it's a great performance. Yep. It, you know, he's in a good mood, jovial, loose, everything's on point. But... God, do something about the production. So yeah, I think we've all hit on a few different points why it's uh, it's not a success. But the Tojo mentioned a while back when we were talking about uh, you know hoping for a Montreux DVD or any kind of great, nicely produced DVD of, of a Prince concert, and and I remember Tojo saying something along the lines of you know it's it gets frustrating walking into JB Hi-Fi or you know at any local CD DVD outlet and looking at all the live concert DVDs on the, on the shelves and thinking to yourself, God, like okay, there, there there are other great artists and bands out there, but you know, us being Prince fans, how brilliant would it be to, to be able to not only pick up something that, that we knew was 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 great on all accounts, but also, you know, for, for that to exist, you know, to be able to walk into a shop. And I think um, this puts, like, if you said to someone, you know, Prince is a great life performer, the, the unfortunate thing about this DVD is that a non-fan or someone with a passing interest will put it on and they might not even get to see all the interesting bits on this DVD because they'll be like, what is this shit? This looks terrible. <laughs> you know, they'll just... Yeah. <laughs> and it's so I mean, weird it's coming a, from Prince because he's such a perfectionist. Yeah. For him to release something like this, it's kind of like, well, it's it doesn't seem like his nature to do something, to put out something so crappy. Inferior product. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. It's very, very strange. And... To, to add insult to injury, um, I mean, bonus track? Bonus track? What's the point right. of a bonus track where there's nothing, like, you know, if there's a VHS version that didn't have it or something, or yeah. enough, but there's, like, what's the point of a bonus track when it's every version has it anyways? Well, what was the bonus track? The Ride. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very strange. Um, the only thing I can think of is... I mean, this was released at the end of the tour. After the Japanese concerts, the whole US, European and Japanese concerts were done. He could have looked out into his Prince world and seen just about every single show was available. It was bootlegged. It was recorded. And he thought, okay, well, this is what they want. This is what I'll give them. Security was very tight at that Vegas show. He he could have ensured that no bootleg recording was made at Vegas. Mm. And so that's what he gave us. Really? Was the security that tight? It seems like everyone in there was holding a handheld camera. <laughs> <laughs> they just compiled the footage and, and sent it out there. Yeah. It's a fan shot DVD, ladies and gentlemen. The, was the Beastie Boys did that with the show? Mm. Like, Something like that. Was that before or after this? That was after, I, I wonder. Think. I wonder. Yeah, yeah they... I, I highly doubt out. they watched Live with the Aladdin and got the idea from there. <laughs> <laughs> They're big fans. Yeah, I think it was before. Yeah, if it was before, maybe that's what the attention was. It's, um... I mean, well, compare this... I'll give you a boot. We game. should probably compare this to the only other officially released uh, DVD of... which is the Rave Unto the Year 2000, and... God, that is a thousand times better in production value. Like the sound and the filming and the quality and the camera work and everything is. Br- if if you tr- transferred all of that to this, Ooh. how much better would it be? And if he was wearing the suit as well, that blue suit. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> what a what a difference three years makes. Not even. Um, yeah, it's just it's just strange. That, that's why I know you guys are sick of the mantra references, but I, I'm going to bring it up again because. I'm not going to get off that bandwagon until it comes out. Um, you know, it, that's the thing. If, if this Montreux DVD gets released, I think it'll tick all the it would tick all the right boxes because we've mentioned before and mentioning again. You know that that live in Montreux series, just as an example, that is the kind of production quality that you want for an artist such as Prince especially such a great live performer you know and you want to be able to hear everything you know in digital and and in HD digital and see it all and and just you, you want to have that experience um, you know be able to put it on on a good system on a, on a good TV and, and enjoy a concert like so many other uh, bands like so many inferior artists are doing you know, I almost sometimes want to buy and have done, have bought live DVDs of artists that I wasn't particularly a huge fan of, just because the DVD was good, like because it was filmed in in you know in HD or in um, you know you can watch it on Blu-ray or whatever. You just want to f- you feel like you're at a concert. I just wish it was a Prince DVD. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I think one. I just thought of one reason why that Mono DVD might not come out. Is you think of the the promotion photos he did for Montreux, they were the most airbrushed photos I've ever seen in my life. And what if he watches, you know, the Montreux people making his DVD and he sends it to them? Hmm. And how much makeup did he have on? You were there. He had um, large He had a cake on his face, didn't he? Yeah. You were just waiting for a portion of it to just fall off on the floor. Some of it did. <laughs> um, That's yeah, one but reason what, I think it might not come out. He might look why? at it and go, "I can't airbrush a video." 
I can only do it to photos. <laughs> I can edit the audio, but I can't uh, edit my face. It'll just come out with a black spot on his face. <laughs> oh, now you're joking around, but you're peeing me off because any anyone saying anything about that DVD not being released it puts me into agony. Um, um, I think, yeah, I, I have a sneaking suspicion it will. I've mentioned this before. People are probably getting tired of me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. One more time. Um, the, 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 the thing about the Montreux DVD, and just to remember, is everything seems to be falling into place. And I guess there's been no new developments other than the amount of thinking and effort of thought that I'm putting into the whole thing. But it really lines up. Think about it. The poster, uh, other than the fact that it, the, the clothing you wore was different, a different colour, it was exactly the same clothing. It might, that might even be the cover of the DVD, Captain. What? I reckon it will be, yeah. Um, Good Lord. Look, the, the posters... Um, I mean, when was the last time you saw a Prince poster and he and he wore the same thing on stage? That's, that's right. a pretty... That's a pretty rare occurrence, or other than that. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty you know good that indicator. Reminds that reminds me of the ad for the Super Bowl where he was walking down the thing with a cloud guitar, and then he never had the cloud guitar. <laughs> was the there you I'm go. So happy to see it again. That really. But yeah, been. actually, um, Tajan, that that is quite a good indicator. Rave that came out. Um, then you've got you know the the multiple performances. You've got you know they're playing they're playing some of the tracks twice. Um, obviously, the footage exists. Then all the other rumors and details that I filled filled in uh, filled you guys in. You guys probably already knew that information, but it just it, it does it does look like it. Um, the only response, actually, I didn't I didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave it for for another time, maybe. But I um I'm waiting for responses from <laughs> from people in the know in the production industry, in, you know, in the Montro camp to. To uh, to get some sort of hint or clue as to whether it's whether it's going to be released, so I'll keep you guys updated. But getting back into O two O three, we've covered the Aladdin DVD, and I think we've given it more credit than it deserves. Let's finish this whole thing up with the last release chronologically, which was I think it was in the middle of two thousand and three, July twenty second. Yes. July twenty second, a very interesting, intriguing uh, release. Entitled Never No uh, North East West South News An intriguing release Yeah Intriguing which release sold 30,000 copies His lowest selling album ever uh, And <laughs> As if sales was an indicator Of great quality music Oh it is well in talking this case about Black Eyed Peas It is in this um, case <laughs> Alright uh, I, I think the only Um the only way to start a review of this album is to start off with a negative. So, Captain, why don't you start it off? Oh, it's going to be short. I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's it was it was a weird concept. I thought I didn't. Hey, my phone's ringing. Don't it's worry. Be again. So, don't worry. There's someone else again. will answer it. <laughs> there's there's, phone. there's Prince again. <laughs> you yeah, bagging out news? I'm not even going to answer him. I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> um, the four tracks. They're all 14 minutes exactly. It's a concept thing, and I think you're right. It evolved from the C note uh, jamming, you know, mucking around. Oh, let's make a track. Yeah, there's a song. Yeah, we jam 10 minutes. It's a song. But this album doesn't have the memorable things that even the C note stuff had. Expectation, they're like specific songs, and C note just seemed to be sort of just jams. 
this this is more jams and they seem more structured, but I don't think they're as good as the C note tracks. Okay. And they they even though they were supposed to be recorded all in one day and um they seem very structured and they're probably overdubbed a fair bit as well. Uh, but, uh there's only one which is sort of funky and the rest is just I, I, every time I put this on to listen to it after about five minutes I totally forget it's even on it just doesn't enter my brain it's just it's, it's Muzak I'll say it <laughs> it's just it's not memorable to my ears yeah that's it I said it was short I don't like it <laughs> alright Toe Jam what do you think about news I like some news it's a very encompassing album sorry <laughs> um, I think this album is a lot better than it gets credit for and I think the reason for that is the first track the first track does meander um, and I think that puts a lot of people off the album like I've listened to this album quite a few times and quite a few times I have to admit I have fallen asleep in the first track you and then out. been suddenly awoken suddenly awoken by that keyboard sound that starts track 2 and um, I think another thing that people find disappointing is that when it, there was first a, um, a minute preview or something on the MPG Music Club site, and they played um, probably the most highly arranged out there section from East, mm. and I remember hearing that and just thinking, holy crap, this is going to be the best thing ever. And when I got that first track, and it's just this, you know, as it, it's nothing, it's bad, but it does meander along with this you know, repetitive bass line that sort of just keeps going and going and going. I remember being a bit disappointed with that, but it does pick up from um, East onwards, and I really love... This. My favourite of all four is the last half of South, the last track. That just... Some parts of that are just magical to me, the way... Uh, I don't know, I can't describe it, but it's just... It's so magical. I don't know, I can't describe it. As I is said. that... Is that the um? Because I get I get all my directions that's, mixed up. Is that the part where yeah, it goes? Dun, 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 dun. That's the part that they had on the um, preview that I was talking uh, about. Okay. Okay. Forty-five second a minute preview, and I, that was the part they showed. And I remember thinking, oh man, if the whole album's like that, it's going to be crazy and all out there, and and it kind of wasn't. Like that that <laughs> part of that track is, but the rest of it is a bit more sort of straightforward jammy stuff yeah um, but there's a lot of subtle things in this album and if you really take the time to listen to it all the subtle little keyboard and guitar effects the sort of airy sound effects that go through he's, he's certainly gone he's certainly put a lot of effort into this one um, so it, it is uh, it's, it's a very confronting album you either you either like it or you hate it I guess and um, it's underrated in your opinion I think it is slightly underrated, but, you know, a lot of people compare it with, oh, you know, this is Prince doing, you know, jazz fusion. I don't really hear that. This is or something, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. not bad at all. It's still the madhouse kind of 70% funk kind of thing, but it's just extended that little bit longer. So, yeah, no, I, I, when I, you know, when I'm in the mood for it and I listen to it, I think it's a great up, but, you know, I'm not going to say it's a masterpiece or anything like that, so... There's my um, news on news. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll slide in into into this one. It's um, 
I wrote a review of this album uh, a long, long time ago, I think even in the Housequake era, and I praised it then, and years later I praise it now. I'm a massive fan of this release and listen to it quite regularly. Um, it, it shouldn't be compared to... Uh, directly compared to, you know, Weather Report, Return to Forever, Miles Davis, 68 to 72 era um, compositions, because it's not... Um, the, 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 I think people make those comparisons because Prince is a pop artist, he tries something instrumental, it's a little bit fusion-y, a little bit funky, and they say, yeah. oh, it's similar to... But it, and it's not, I agree with you there. Uh, I, for one, think it's a magical piece of work... And I, I haven't figured out why I like it so much. In fact, I love this album. I, I haven't figured out why I love it. Maybe it's because the inner Prince fan in me um, really respects Prince, the composer and the musician. And the fact that I like his band, the, the, you know, that one night alone band, if we can call them that, so much makes it even more so um, the case. I think... Without going into the music too much, the production value of this CD, the recording, the mastering, and the engineering is is really top notch. It's brilliant. It it sounds very, yeah, very spacey and, and very airy in parts, and it's just brilliant to listen to on headphones. It's a really it's really a head trip. I can understand why people wouldn't like it. Fair enough. I can understand why you wouldn't like the concept of the fourteen minutes by four songs, etc. To me, it's a four-piece suite, not quite masterpiece, but certainly masterstroke. Because you know, after after uh, what's it called, Rainbow Children, and the plethora of releases in 2002, um, he releases something quite daring. I think um, you know, let's leave the fact that Prince is basically a mainstream pop artist aside. If he wasn't. Um, I, I still think this is this is interesting. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not calling it an interesting album just because it's different from everything else he's done. I, I really, I, I feel a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of what what's recorded on here, and a lot of it a lot of it I think comes down to Eric as well. Um, mm. He his playing on this album just gets me every time I listen to it, and the, the interplay between him and and um, Ronda on the bass is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm, I'm a big fan. I wish I had the review in front of me so I can go into a track by track or a little bit more detail, but but I don't. I don't have that. Uh, it's one of the most underrated albums in Prince's catalogue, and I would say I know we're not doing the, it in this review, but I would say other than the Lotus Flower Minneapolis sound and Thirty One Twenty One set. It is my favorite album uh, since, you know, I always say it, Gold Experience era, but probably in this case, Gold Experience and Rainbow Children. Uh, th- this this comes in in slot number three. It's, it's a brilliant piece of work. Wow. Yeah. I think another yeah, thing a- that I really appreciate, appreciate about it is that he could have just done the entire album the same as it was but had a whole lot of a bit of Purple Rain type guitar solos through it. And he hasn't. He's done a lot of little subtle things with the guitar, like all the, you know, slight airy distortion effects and, you know, weird um, sound effects, weird chords that he's playing. Um, so I really respect that as well. Yeah. 
I think maybe that's what, that's part of the appeal to me. Um, it's is just it's it does. I, I did say you know I, I don't like it because it's different from everything. Uh, it's not that it's it's so different from everything else that he's done. That's not the main reason. But I think if you know there's 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 probably a a, a big chunk of me that says holy shit, this is a different side of the of Prince Rogers Nelson. Um, player, what are your thoughts on news? Yeah, it's. It's really good, but um, having Eric on there with this band, it, it's kind of like a different vibe to the Madhouse. It's not exactly the same. But having having said that, if you put on, say, Maceo or Candy, it, it would just be total disaster. <laughs> so I think it's it's good having him on there. I think it's a shame that um, he was out of the band soon after this. Um, the, the other thing I like is, is the packaging. But at yeah. the same time, it's there's there's, there's there's bloody cardboard packaging. Like it gets tattered after a while. Um, but I think uh, after, the, actual after concept... the second time you open it. <laughs> <laughs> but the actual concept is quite cool. But, if um... you ever got to opening it a second time, <laughs> mine's in perfect condition. <laughs> you never listen to it. Um, yeah, and the thing I associate with this city the most is. It was played twice or three times before um, the Sydney Soundcheck because we got yeah like, I remember that played, and I just I was just waiting for him to come on and they played news and I'm thinking okay now it's played he's going to come out and then they played it again I'm thinking oh. <laughs> I just I, I just kept playing and every time I hear this album I'm just thinking it's just like impatiently waiting I just <laughs> sort of vibe. So yeah, I just associated with that for some reason. Whenever you, whenever player hears news, he gets the sense that he's impatiently waiting for something to happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They should call the album GPS or something. Um, yeah, it's 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 really really cool album. It has its moments, but then it also has, like um, Turjam said, like you can. Um, get disinterested or fall asleep in, in other parts of it. I don't find any any part of this album boring. Even the two almost two and a half minutes at the end of North, North. where it's like all silence. Yeah. I don't find that boring at all. Actually, yeah. it it really adds to the what comes what follows. I think if that segued straight into East, it'd lose. I mean, look, he's, he's obviously done it for the 14-minute mark, but I think it, it would lose a lot. Yeah. It would lose the impact. I don't know. I'm a big fan of this album. Like I said um, earlier in the in the podcast, it, because it was the second instru- instrumental album and only really that that's the only official release for that year, I was a bit worried. Um, like, what's what's which sort of direction is he going and... You know, is it going to be all instrumental from here on in? It was just—it was just a weird sort of time, but it is a very good album. I do like it. Look, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Since after the gold experience, it's news, thirty-one twenty-one, and Lotus Flower slash MPLS sound. Those are my top three favorite albums. That's how much I like it. I just—I I can't go into the detail because we're obviously not doing a, a news review. But when we get to it, don't worry, I'll be all over that baby. <laughs> It's it's a big it's a big deal for me and it was I guess it, it hit me I, I should I should preempt any future discussion by saying that uh, you have to understand that I became a hardcore hardcore Prince fan in late 01, early 02. 
And that those 12 months were spent really getting into him. And then 2003, that was the only album that was released. And, you know, that was the newest thing. So I had it on constant rotation. I was thinking, oh, I thought I knew this artist, but look at the direction he's going into. And I really studied that. I, if, if I can be honest with you guys, and I hope I can, I've played that album well, more than musicology, and even more than 31, I've probably played that album over 50 or 60 times. Well, that's a, that's, I'm, I'm just thinking probably 10 times a year since it was released. Yeah. Compared to my once. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I bring it out almost every month. And silence. <laughs> that's, your, that's your cardboard packaging. It's ruined. It was yeah. ruined, like Captain said, after the second or third time. Thanks but it's a only lot. the Thanks it's a lot, a, Prince. It's only um, yeah. It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. It uh, it ta- it um it it's only the edges, the pointy bits. Yeah, it's only the pointy bits. Everything else is fine. And I'm a big fan of the packaging. Big big fan. I like nice it. concept. Horribly realised. <laughs> Yeah. See, when I listen to news, I only do it on headphones, and I only do it at night and when it's dark, and, you know, those two things add to it. And also, when I listen to it, I imagine I imagine Prince in the studio, and I think that imagination, while I'm listening to that music, gives me this sense of, wow, they're, you know, they're, I don't know, there's just something fascinating to me about Prince as a studio musician. You know, okay, you convinced me. Ben. When we review news... I'll do that. I'll yeah. listen to it with headphones in the dark. Don't do it. Don't do it like after you've had a midnight snack and you're about <laughs> to fall asleep. No, no. I'll sit there. I'll listen to the whole thing. Yeah. I'll wait. It's, um, you know, like I rank this above rave. I rank this above musicology. I rank this slightly above the Rainbow Children. I rank this above Emancipation and obviously NPS or the rest of it. Um, on, on any given day, I might rank it above thirty-one, twenty-one. Even it's it's one of my favorite albums of, of the last what eight, ten years, I guess. Uh, remember that so. forum we talked about, people? Where <laughs> <laughs> you can talk. I'll have a subsection there, all about news, news fans. There'll be zero posts. Yeah, so that's it. That brings O two and O three to a close. I think we've done a decent job, but there's yeah, there's a lot more that can be said, I guess, about that era. More detail so. coming soon. Mm. <laughs> On Plus the forums, we got the Australian tour. In yeah, yeah. I'm glad we didn't go into that because that'd go into a. That's huge. another podcast. That is another podcast. Um, yeah, we need to do just we need to do just one show about all the concerts that we've been to. Yeah, that'd be good. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Was that Tajay? Just to let the fans know. That we haven't forgotten about the NPG Music Club tracks. We will do them when we do Slaughterhouse and Chocolate Invasion eventually. Yeah. Yes, that'll be a good yeah. one. Yeah, and we still haven't figured worry, out whether... we've forgotten them. We still haven't figured out whether we're going to do those individually, like, in, you know, Chocolate Invasion one week, uh, Slaughterhouse another, or maybe combine those two into one. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, we will do those definitely. Uh, Let us know God. what you think. When I review, when when I lay my hands on you this time, it's going to be very different. A very different opinion <laughs> I have of that song. Let me put it lightly. Well, yeah, that's going to be crazy. Um, any shout outs? Uh, any shout outs? Any shout outs? Uh, I guess uh, just another a long time shout out again to the Freedom Train guys. We 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 have 
given them shout outs before but you know they're still doing their thing and and uh, and doing it well uh it looks like we're the only two prince podcasts online and and still going strong so um shout out to all the fans all the people that listen to this um i, I call them fans but i guess listeners is, might be more apt um in some cases uh yeah i mean th- thanks for listening and giving us all the feedback that forum once again is peachandblack.proboards.com sign up register captain will let you in um yeah and it'll all be all be cool and we've got the twitter twitter yep the each t- underscore updates underscore black yeah all right um yeah that's about it uh uh, shout out, shout out to Dawn Experience. They're still streaming our stuff. Uh, we got the French site in. Player, help me out. Purple City. That's, cool. That's right, Purple City. Um, uh, big shout out to Prince.org. <laughs> uh, what else? House uh, Quake, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, House Quake. Data Bank. Did I just say that? Oops. Uh, so, what's that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm waiting for some. Come on, I want to see, hear some reviews. Um, I got a shout out. Prince, put some stuff on your website. <laughs> shout out. <Yeah>. Send <laughs> NC's t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Just, Prince, if you're listening, brother, send me, the, send me a copy of both Montreux shows on a white label DVD disc. With your t-shirt. Just, yeah. <laughs> Wrapped in my t-shirt so that I don't snap. I'll throw the t-shirt away later. I just want to see that footage. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Why did you bring that up? Now I'm going to go on another half an hour rant about Montreux. <laughs> no, you're yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not. Um, that's about it. That's about it. That's right. Prince, please release those DVDs or DVD or whatever it is. They were great gigs. Something. Put something on the website. Something. Yeah, put anything. But you know what? I, I mean, we are really spoiled, aren't we? Those, he Very did spoiled. put a few, a few videos up on, um, on the site. I mean, he put those Montreux d- uh, videos, clips up on, on the site, what, four or five days after the shows. It's pretty impressive. Uh, I hope it's a sign of things to come. We'll see. And well, the family done. have a new album. Oh yeah, it's got a weird name. F Deluxe. That's it. Oh, I thought it was weird. <laughs> That's F, what is it? F, F Deluxe. It sounds like a new McDonald's at, at hamburger. <laughs> oh, Has anyone guys. tried that Angus burger at McDonald's? That's oh, a nice man. burger. I've been on those all week. <laughs> Love it. Uh, have you and the, and the Burger King, the Hungry Jacks one? The um, I haven't tried that. XL, double, triple XL. Oh my god, that's really? a burger. Oh, man, okay. You sold me. You sold me on the burger. I've sold you on listening to music in a dark room with headphones. Yeah, you go to Burger King, get the triple XL. It's just... And then, listen, and then go listen to music. Exactly. Yeah, you Be careful not to choke on your food, ladies and gentlemen. You're still having trouble. You're still having trouble with the Elixir, did you say? What Elixir?
shoot the duck. Yeah. 